When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again, and welcome to The Roads with Bo. So today, we are going to continue a tradition that started over on the other channel. Uh, we're going to talk about how to ruin Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, it's not really about ruining Thanksgiving. It's about learning how to talk with uh, your relatives. Those relatives that are sometimes hard to talk to, who you often have to be around during the holidays. Um, it, it's a conversation that comes up pretty much every year. There's always a bunch of questions about it, so it, it turned into a thing. Aside from that, we often get told not to talk about certain things. You know, certain topics are just not things that you know you discuss. But when you follow the root issues back of most of the problems we have in this world, they trace back to those things that we're told not to talk about. You know, money, politics, religion, stuff like that. So it started as a joke about, you know, nationalizing the mashed potatoes and, you know, making a guillotine for the little penguin egg, which found out that isn't a thing everywhere. They're not actually penguin eggs. They're like hard-boiled eggs with olives to make them look anyway. Um, and that's where this started. So we have a bunch of questions, and we will uh, we'll go through them. What do you do when you are the only left-leaning person in your family? This whole thing often gets framed as your one conservative uncle, but it's not always that in your favor. One Christmas, someone commented, well, there's only one person here not for Trump, and the whole room looked at me. <laughs> when you are the extreme relative at dinner, no matter how good your arguing skills are, your options are get piled on or shut up. I say that's not because I need advice. I'm firmly in the shut up and don't make a scene camp. But I want to point out that sometimes you can be the odd man out. Uh, yeah, that's me most times. Uh, generally speaking, I am the most left person in the room. And most times, uh, I'm the most anti-authoritarian as well. Um, I do have some friends that are more <laughs> further down than I am, but not many. Um, I have found myself in this position before. And it's... I don't know that that's relatable. Um... How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You, you can't be 
in a position where you're talking to all of them at once. And, and it's not just about whether or not you win the argument. It's that they will reinforce each other, even if they're wrong. <laughs> um, so it, it would need to be something where you can talk to one person at a time. And ideally, you would talk to those that are youngest um, because they have more time to uh, more time to make difference, make a difference. Okay. I'm in two leftist influencer communities on the internet. This is long. Okay. Um, if you examined the figures at the head of both of these communities at the destinations of where their conclusions lead them, you'd probably find them agreeing on most things. But the figures have irreconcilable differences in how they think that destination should be reached. Your community isn't one of them. That's in parentheses. <laughs> As a result, their communities are not friendly with one another, to put it very mildly. <laughs> I don't like seeing them fight. It's very demoralizing because it feels like this happens on the left all the time. And no one is interested in collaborating and just does their own thing, which hurts the left. Both communities are filled with smart, passionate, well-intentioned, and sociable people, but I feel as if I expressed this to people in either community, or if anyone in said community knew I was in the other one, <laughs> they would try to psychoanalyze me, or more likely just try to beat me over the head with the proverbial stick when it comes to this divide, like they wouldn't think critically on it. Being a person who enjoys both communities, the infighting makes me feel disillusioned, but more than that, I feel as if eventually I'll be forced to pick one side, and it seems like picking a side means hating the other. And maybe this is starry-eyed, but I feel as if I don't have it in me to hate most people, even my political enemies. I get frustrated, disappointed, and angry with them very often. But I don't like to hate people. I turned off all of my notifications from these communities and just kind of want to tune out from politics even though that feels like just running away from it, which makes me feel like a fence rider. <laughs> You're a whole bunch of very nice things about me that I really hope aren't true. <laughs> um, it, it, uh, yeah, if that's true, we're in trouble. Okay. Um, I know you don't have all the answers, but it's my slimmest hope that you can at least provide me with just a thought that might help me find the answer that works for myself. So my question is, is it impossible to be really active and make change in politics without hating the people who you don't agree with? And how do you get people who hate each other to work together? Okay. So what you're describing is incredibly common um, when you're talking about left online spaces. Um, it, it, it's a thing, and I've seen it. I have seen it with people who the, the person at, you know, I guess the public figure, where the public figures literally agree on everything, but they have a personal issue, and it causes the communities to fight. Um, this, this is why 
I will say things like Streamer X or another YouTuber, and I am very careful about who I name um, because it, it invariably leads to people who agree on 99.9% .9 of things really focusing on that tenth of a percent that they don't agree on. Um, I personally believe in a diversity of tactics. Um, you know, I, I have brought up at Streamer X, who I think at this point everybody knows who it is. <laughs> like, if you're if you're really um, into those communities, um, I've brought him up m multiple times because his approach is not one that not one that I would use. Some of the stuff he says, I'm just like, what are you doing? But I've gotten messages from people who who he got off of a bad road. Um, and then they came to me and I've had a few that like, you know, I watched some of your videos and didn't really like them, but I watched this person and it, and it resonated. Um, as far as your questions, is it impossible to be really active and make change in politics without hitting the people who you don't dis who you don't agree with? No, especially when they're they're riding the bus in the same direction as you. That's a personality thing, and I will tell you that when you actually step offline and you're out doing stuff in like the real world, that stuff never comes up. I mean, it it it, it is incredibly rare that that any of those personality conflicts that exist online that they make it into the real world because when you're in the real world you realize it actually matters what you're doing what you are actively what you're actively doing will will trump should trump any of the online stuff um now how do you get people who hate each other to work together normally it takes a unifying cause um, I think I've told this story after Michael, after Hurricane Michael, my, my little circle here, um, th there's another group and they, they, they've actually like come to blows over things before. Um, but in the aftermath of Michael, none of that mattered. Um, that's when you have serious disagreements, let's just call it. Um, it, it normally takes a serious event to pull people together. Um, you don't need to pick a side. You don't need to, you don't need to let the, the personalities that the public figures, um, you don't need to let their their personal arguments impact what you do. Um, and generally speaking, those people who are going to beat you over the head with the proverbial stick um, because you 
like somebody they don't, most times you're never going to see them out there actually doing anything in the real world anyway. It's kind of self-selecting that way. If they care that much about the online personalities, that's where they're focusing their attention. And, and we've talked about it before. That's not even an insult. The online stuff is important. Um, but generally, once you step offline, most of those people aren't even there. So that had nothing to do with Thanksgiving. But it did have to do with the communication. So we'll, we'll, we'll roll with that. Okay. Having difficulties with my partner... I'm going to skip the part where I share specifics and pretend I haven't listened to what you already said. Yes, we share values, but on occasion we have extreme difficulty communicating with each other and understanding exactly what the other means and where they're coming from. When, when we do manage to bridge the gap, we always realize that our values are the same and our love is reinforced. But during the miscommunication, it can often be extremely unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. I'm not writing to ask if I should be with her or not. I've already made that decision and I'm committed to it. I love her. Not because she is always my favorite person, but because I am mostly my favorite version of me when I have her radiant presence in my life. Wow. You made me want to take my pills. Um, let's see. I'm not writing to ask you if this is the woman I love because I already know that she is. I'm writing to ask you how two people with shared values and a lot of passion but very conflicting communication styles can learn how to overcome their innate differences and learn how to accommodate each other's quirks. P.S. Do you and Miss Bo have communication issues? We've been married for 10 years, more than. Um, so, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, and, and it's the same thing. We have different communication styles. And we are both very passionate and stubborn and all of that stuff. Um, but if you know it is different communication styles, that's actually a huge help. If you, if you can identify what it is. Um, as an example, I, I am very concise. Like I, 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 <laughs> I say exactly what I mean. <laughs> um, my wife does not. And, and I've joked about it before. You can ask her what time it is. She'll tell you how to build a clock. Whereas I am very much who, what, when, where, why in a single sentence, um, the issue arises for us when, let's say, uh, well, let's start with her. Um, she is telling me a, a whole bunch of information, and then she gets interrupted. You know, we have half a dozen kids, and it's like Noah's Ark here, so there are interruptions. She gets interrupted, and I think she's done. So because she kind of buries the lead, I have to guess at what 
was important. What she was actually trying to say, because she does provide so much context. Um, so there are times when she gets interrupted. I think she's finished. We go on about our days. It doesn't come up again. And she was telling me about all of this stuff going on, on her way to the vet. Okay. And one of them was, there's something wrong with the car. Okay. Just example. So I go to do something with the car. But the point of the story was she never got to go to the vet and the dogs need to go to the vet tomorrow. Um, that is something that happens with us a lot. Another one, I know everybody watching this, y'all all know that I'm perfect in every way, but sometimes I get distracted when she's providing a bunch of information and I miss an important piece. That leads to a communication error. Um, for... Me, it's normally, I have a very, I'm very flat uh, when I'm talking. I'm just like, you know, this is, this is what's going on. And sometimes something can be important, but I guess the tone of my voice doesn't convey that. Um, and so she, not that she misses it, but that she doesn't prioritize it. Um, another one could be she is doing something and I don't realize she's doing something. And what I'm saying is concise. So it's said, but she didn't hear any of it. Like she has no idea that it even happened. If you can identify those issues, you can work to correct them. It'll be more than a decade and you'll still be working on it. But at least if you can figure out where the communication errors occur, it's easier. Um, so that that would be my advice here. But it, it doesn't go away. People are different. They have communication issues. And yeah, it's extremely unpleasant, to use your term, at times when it happens. But if you are... You know, this certainly sounds like the person you're wanting to spend the rest of your life with. I mean, understand, it's not always going to be roses. So, I mean, I would identify the communication styles and where they conflict. And that, that will help a lot, but it's not going to alleviate it completely. Um, but, I mean, just the way this is phrased, learning how to accommodate each other's quirks. That's another thing. Um, you're not going to change each other. <laughs> um, not, not to any significant, significant degree. <laughs> so, okay. Also, not about Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. Thank you for taking these questions. I've been arguing with my family about trans rights lately. Every time the topic comes up... I'm not even bringing it up, <laughs> and I disagree. My mother dismisses my arguments by saying that she's of a different generation. And these are the things that they believe. She says I should let her have her beliefs and be respectful of her as my mother by not arguing with her. Lately, my argument has been you taught me morals and ethics, and it's difficult for me to tolerate you not engaging in what Jesus taught us about how to treat people. With my sister... 
she just takes whatever I say and says that doesn't sound right to her, and she doesn't quite believe it. Cognitive dissonance. <laughs> uh, but she won't Google anything. They just want to shut me up. I feel like my options are to be quiet and let them be horrible, or just, or to just not go. Is there another option? My mother raised us Catholic, but now she's even ignoring Bible verses supporting trans people and treating everyone well. Uh, I have trans friends, and my family intentionally misgenders someone in the media, and it boils my blood. I would appreciate any advice you have, even if that advice is just to find new people to have the holidays with. I mean, that's important. That's important to recognize. You don't have to go. Um, you know, I, I think most people want to make the effort, but if it is that uncomfortable, you know, that, that, that's always an option. But, save that for the, the last option. Okay. With my sister, she doesn't quite believe it, but she won't Google anything. Google it for her first. Before you have the conversation, have it brought up on your phone in a tab. <laughs> have that ready. Like, ah, oh, I was just looking at that. I, I, I didn't think it sounded right to me either. Here, why don't you read it yourself? Um, that has worked in the past for me. Um, my mother raised us Catholic. See, now I'm wondering when this came in. If your mother is Catholic, uh, you might want to look at some of the stuff the Pope has said recently and make sure that she sees it. Because, uh, I mean, you know, infallibility and everything, that goes a long way. <laughs> so, uh, there, there have been a lot of shifts within the Catholic Church on, on this exact topic. It might be worth bringing them up. Um, the other thing to do is, you say she's of a different generation, but there's nothing in here that lets me know, like, which generation that is. If you can think of something that that generation really believed was true, and it wasn't, you might want to keep that in your back pocket as well. Um, family intentionally misgenders someone in the media. Boils my blood. Yeah. See, and is it's stuff like this where I wish I could ask questions. Like, do they do they misgender your friends, or is it just this person in the media? Are they? You know, is it combative? Like there's a lot of questions I have about this one. Um, I think you're on the right track, though. You, you you seem to be using their base beliefs to frame your stuff with, um, which I mean that's smart. I would I would definitely have the stuff already drawn up so she doesn't have to Google anything, and I would uh, definitely look into some of the things the Pope has said recently. Okay. My grandfather was involved... Okay. So I'm not going to read the intro to this because it doesn't matter how well this is disguised. 
the, the this is super specific, and that's it, it will definitely give away who you are. <laughs> um, okay, so the question. How do I go to dinner without addressing this and ruining things for the whole family? Um, so generally speaking, this is about a a piece of family history and how it ties into current events. Um, and, and let's just say that the family history was on the wrong side of what is pretty widely accepted <laughs> um, that, that, that that was the wrong side of things. Um, hmm. So there's a person in the family that is kind of falling down that same still looking at the wrong side of things and almost idolizing the person who was on the wrong side in their family. How do you go to dinner without addressing this? Yeah, I don't know that you can, man. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. That's that's a hard one. <laughs> um, is it possible to address beforehand. That might be a a conversation to have with this person over the phone prior to anything occurring. Just understand the risk of that is that it, it blows up then. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'll send you an email about this because there, there's just, there's a lot there. Okay. I have an in-law who is a part of a number of different minority groups, so clearly none of our straight, cis, white family can have any opinions on any social topic, and several of us make more money than them, so clearly disagreements on fiscal topics are us protecting our privilege. They are not actually a leftist wanting complete social rewrite, but more in line with Bernie or AOC. Our family is generally pretty progressive for Americans, and to borrow your metaphor, we are on the same bus going to the same place. However, this person has to constantly critique everyone else's opinion, if it varies in the slightest, from their own, and has to have the last word on everything. They fit the conservative meme of an uninformed SJW to a D. They have an ironclad opinion on every situation, even when they have no information, context, or experience with the situation, and obviously have a simple solution that doesn't actually work in the real world. The most frustrating part is that, as far as any of us know, they don't actually do anything to further the cause other than purity test others. Much of our family spends our time helping the kind of people they claim to care about, volunteering and donations and through our work. This person is seemingly too high on their horse to see the muddy nuance that comes from helping people on the ground. Do you have any advice helping to get 
them to realize that we aren't the enemy and are actually on their team, or at the very least, shut down some of the self-righteous purity testing. Oh yeah, I got an easy one for that. Invite them. Invite them. Um, invite them to come. That's that's the easy one. In, in, invite them to come out there. Um, this is a lot like the question about the two online communities. Um, and if you can get them actually out doing something, the uh, that that black and white world it becomes super gray super quick. Um, so if if there is volunteering going on, see if they want to go. Uh, that often helps. Um, this this does sound based on this. It, it does sound like this may be somebody in one of those groups. Um, the Aside from groups that are truly ideological in nature and the goal is to spread that ideology, and there are a few of those out there, the the purity testing stuff, that doesn't really happen, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I would invite them. I, I would invite them, see if they want to come out, and it will probably change their view. It will probably be something that is... Uh, that could be transformative for them. And, I mean, good. If, if you have somebody that has these views and the, the hang-up is that they're not active and you can trace a lot of their, their, their views that are annoying to the fact that they're not active, the simple answer is get them active. Um, but... At the same time, you may run into somebody who who likes the theoretical because it is neater. You know, it's it's a whole lot cleaner when it's when it's not actually in the real world, and it's just a a discussion, and, and it doesn't have to be implemented. I've actually got two questions I'd like to ask, one significantly more important than the other, but I'll allow you to decide which is which. First off, I've reached a bit of an impasse with my mom. She claims to be independent and center, and I'd probably put her around libertarian, but it's a certain state, so I can see how that would fill center there. Yeah, that tracks. Um... I can't keep my mouth shut, so we'll go round on politics, go rounds on politics. Recently, we had a debate about cops and over-policing excessive force. She believes the whole a few bad apples shtick. And while clearly, at this point, untrue, <laughs> I'm sure with a bit of digging, I can find examples such as Memphis to show this is a far bigger problem than just a handful of bad cops. The real sticking point, though is we seem to have a fundamental disagreement on risk. She seems to believe that being quicker with force is justified because cops have a risky job and should be able to end their shift intact. She says that if people just complied, they would 
be fine. Again, blatantly false at this point. And a thing I can probably get around after doing some homework. And that any reluctance towards de-escalation or non-lethal measures is warranted because the cops want to live. For my part, I feel this twofold. First, the cops would be in less danger if people didn't feel scared around them. Secondly, and to me more importantly, if someone's life is to be in danger, I feel it should be the person who signed up for the job. And I say this as a vet with a husband who is still active duty. Any risk due to uncertainty should lie on the side of the person with the training. Is there a good way to approach this to get her to understand? Is there some sort of reframing you might suggest I try? Yes, absolutely. Sometimes you hear something so often, you don't think to question it. And that this is definitely the case here. I would start by asking her if she felt that, let's say, a logger. If a logger failed to observe best practices and cut down a tree that had a tree house in it with two kids in it, and those kids didn't make it, should they be held accountable? And then when she answers, explain that that's a riskier job. We hear it all the time. Cops have a risky job. Cops have a risky job. Uh, fishermen, loggers, roofers. Those are always in the top 10 when it comes to actually, you know, the actual most dangerous jobs. Cops almost never are. I can't think of a year in which they were. Loggers and fishermen are always, always up at the top. Um, it's the perception of risk, not the reality of it. Um, when you look at the actual statistics on it, they are not in the top 10. Um, so I, I would start with that because most of this argument stems from the fact that they have this super risky job. And that's just a presumed notion because it's been said so often. But the, the numbers don't back that up. It's, it really isn't. Um, and you can get that from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I'm sure you could probably just type in top 10 most dangerous jobs 2023. Um, but you could get those from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, or you could go to another way to do it would be to go to the Officer Down Memorial page, which actually tracks everybody who's lost. One of the other things to note is that many of those who were lost were not lost like in the way you think. <laughs> um, like no doubt every year there are cops lost to hostile action or whatever term you want to use. But a lot of those who are lost and who are counted, they're, they're not. Um, it is something else that that you probably wouldn't think of as in the line of duty, but they were at work, so it counts. Um, that That's where I would start. And then you can go to the other stuff that you have like kind of suggested here. 
But I would start with addressing that because the risk, the perceived risk that the public sees there, it is not backed up by numbers. Um, so, I mean, that's that's where I would go with it. Okay. And for my second question, one which may some may argue is more important, perhaps even dire. It is a well-established... It is well established now that the amount of T's you have is in the triple digits. We also know that you always have a relevant T for the video. Plus, you put out four plus a day without fail. How are these shirts organized? Is it just a closet hanging? Uh, or you just flip through them till one strikes your fancy? Do you have them folded in drawers? <laughs> And the room looks like a teenager's as you rifle through them. Sorted by color. Do you have a folder, perhaps, <laughs> with them by theme? And you can go to section A5 and grab the metal band shirt or T15, if it's a science fiction one, that people need to know. <laughs> um, I have Z-Racks. Uh, you've seen them in clothing stores. Um they're, they're like the willy racks, the racks with the wheels on them. Um, and that's that's what they're hanging on. And in fact, they're like right behind where the camera normally is to absorb sound. <laughs> so they have two purposes. <laughs> they, they, they hang there and they keep the shirts, you know, uh, accessible. And they cut down on the echo. Um, as far as how they are up there it's pretty haphazard. Um, like the ones further back, I have three of those racks. The one that is further back is uh, like the ones I don't use very often. But yeah, that's... <laughs> Didn't see that coming, gonna be honest. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how they're up there. Um, okay, and that looks like all of the questions. So, I hope that that uh, helps with these and maybe you can get some ideas for any issues that you might have with, uh, with, your, uh, with your family over the holidays or with conversations that you want to have or with your significant other or your online space. <laughs> okay. All right, so a little bit more context, a little bit more information, and having the right information will make all the difference. Y'all have a good night.